ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to our presentation. <laughs> this is a little story that we've put together about me, <laughs> Drew Barrymore, and how I became the queen of France. <laughs> Listen, I think you're putting a little too much Valley Girl into it. That is Drew Barrymore. She is the quintessential <laughs> Valley Girl. She, it, that's her, it is Valley. Like, which makes no sense because historically the Barrymores are from New York, but I don't know. It is the trademark of somebody who grew up exclusively in Hollywood. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> God love her. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where a fish may love a bird, but where would they live? I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are covering the 1998 romantic classic, Ever After. A Cinderella story. Yeah. Oh no, not the Cinderella narrative. (laughs) We've arrived. (laughs) Welcome back to Potpourri Month, guys. We're glad to have you joining us for more of our little watch party this month. And like, guys, this is an emotional favorite for yours truly. Indeed, indeed. Carrie Ann has always loved this movie. She's never shut the fuck up about this movie. (laughs) Especially when we were little. Can we watch Ever After? Ugh. (laughs) And me, being a little boy, and like, ugh, Cinderella. (laughs) I've seen it. Even though, no, the way I was such a little gay boy, not standing this, but standing Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, like, I did Anyway. Is it the lack of music for you? Maybe, but like, (laughs) Carrie, I forgot about this movie. Yeah, no, I know. And just, it affected, we'll get there. We'll get there. It affected me, guys. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. You can! <laughs> That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Everybody, we want you to come and join our little potpourri watch party this month. Tell them about the Patreon. Oh my god, guys, did you know that it has never been a better time? to give us your money. <laughs> For just $5 a month, you can get access to all of our bonus content over there on the Patreon. We're doing television coverage. We're doing long-form coverage. There's 50 bajillion episodes of HBO's John Adams and Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House over there. We covered every episode. That was a lot of work, guys. <laughs> it was a lot of work and it was very stressful. So go over there and listen to it. And tell your friends. You know, we, we, we cover television. We do a little shooting the shit. Maybe some quiz shows stacked against one another. Uh, you know? I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> we're becoming notorious for it at this point. Indeed. Indeed. And, you know, maybe just we're, maybe we're just analyzing. Maybe we're just analyzing our media consumption for you guys. And maybe you're paying for it. Like, you know. And if you want access to our full catalog of main feed goodness, folks, that's everything that's free, not five dollars go on over to our podbean page you can get every episode of kicking and streaming right there you can also get a custom rss link and listen in any player of your choosing all right presenting nicole's favorite movie ever after happy birthday baby happy birthday (laughs) then it's true the story oh yes now then what is that phrase you use once upon a time Christmas. 
Christmas. I get a mother and sisters all on one day. Say hello to your new stepsister. Mademoiselle. <laughs> you poor little country girl. of France. And it is my life. What have we here? No! No! Ready for Grimm's fairy tale? Uh, not the Cinderella story. <laughs> I mean, Cinderella, this narrative goes all the way back to like ancient civilizations. Ancient? Yeah. Okay. It was a story in old Egypt. It was a story in old Greece. Old. <laughs> not ancient. I did not know that. With how many different ways it's been spit at us throughout our media consumption? No, of course, obviously, if you were a child in the United States, you know the story of Cinderella. A rags-to-riches story in which a girl who's been abused her whole life is suddenly given all of the benefits of being on the throne. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a tried and true narrative. No, yeah. It was mostly an oral presentation mm-hmm. in ancient Greece and ancient Egypt. But it the first literary appearance of the narrative was in Italy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1634, the uh, work of G.M. Battista Basile... <laughs> Basile? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's called Pentamarone. Oh. Which I which must be Italian. <laughs> it must for, be Italian. For I think it's Oh, I'm sorry, I'm seeing the translation here. The Tale of Tales. Okay. Locunto de Licunti. <laughs> okay. Look at it. <laughs> Locunto de Licunti. Yep. Yep, you're right. What are we doing, Basile? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And then, of course, it's heavily popularized by the 1697 French edition by Charles Perrault, which I'm sure we've all no doubt learned about in school. And then, of course, the it was cemented into popular conscience by the Brothers Grimm in 1812 as what, Carrie? Aschenputtel. Aschenputtel. (laughs) Cinderella. I'm sorry. We're only laughing because we had to learn about this heavily in high school. Yeah, no. it Fuck W131. (laughs) We did Cinderella Man. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, that movie Cinderella Man. Like with the boxing? Yeah, because it's a, air quote, Cinderella story. Oh, barf! It is not! I know. (laughs) It is, but like not in the same way. Of course not! Oh, my God. How many Cinderella's am I supposed to care about these days? <laughs> you know, what's the most recent one? They did that. It was the. Sp- it sparked the whole Disney live action remake. 
oh. craze. It was the 2013 version that Kenneth Branagh directed. With Helena Bonham Carter and as- And Kate the- Blanchett. Yeah. And Lily James. Yes, it was- it, I never did see it. No, me neither. And I, I, Carrie, can I tell you something? What? I've never seen the Disney Cinderella. I've seen it. I just don't remember it. Oh, it's never whoa. something we watched as kids. Whoa, whoa. The 1950s. Yeah. Disney Cinderella. I mean, I remember it. I know of it, of course. But, like, I can't tell you that I have in my memory sitting down and watching that film from beginning to end. Okay, well, I think I know what we're doing after we get done with this. Well, yeah. However, <laughs> my goodness. I know, I That's know. so close in time to Sleeping Beauty. I, I can't believe you've never seen that. I know. But, you know, the film that we're talking about this week is quite a, um expansion mm-hmm. upon the Cinderella story. And might I say an improvement? Yeah, it's definitely an intellectual expansion of the original tale. We're taking the Cinderella story, changing everyone's name. <laughs> it is still set in France, but... You know, we're putting a big 16th century layer over everything. Yes. There's actual historical figures coming into play. Uh-huh. Like actual monarchs that existed and figures of the day. Absolutely. It's kind of confusing at first, but then very satisfying. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. I just, I was not expecting this to affect me. Uh-huh. With the 2020 vision. Of course like, not. I really did not remember this movie, Carrie. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, you know, yeah, no, I, I know that you like it. I like it a lot. <sighs> All right, guys. It made $72 million. You know what? 1998 was big for these kinds of pieces. On Made Feet here, we've done Man in the Iron Mask, released in 1998. Mm-hmm. Very 16th, 17th century heavy. <laughs> we've done... Elizabeth yeah. on this podcast from 1998. <laughs> Big 16th, 17th century feels. The, like The late 90s loved their period pieces. They were like, propel me back in time. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> anywhere other than here. You can find yourself to find a set that was not full of this shit mm-hmm. when you, in 1998. Folks, you might have guessed it, but we've got names. <laughs> As our heroine today, our Cinderella character, Danielle de Barbarac, we have the one, the only, Drew Barrymore in her first kicking and streaming appearance. Oh my god! I think it's her first kicking and streaming appearance. Who knows? She might have been in the background or done voice work on something we did. Yeah, but, but no, I, I, I tend to agree. I also do believe it is her first time. I love Drew Barrymore. Me too. I truly do. Especially today. I want nothing but good things for her. She's had a very torrid past, but she still managed to be the earnest, loving, you know, girl next door that we've always loved her as, you know? <laughs> the the girl next door with a talk show that we deserve. But th- that talk show was pure gold. I know. I, 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 okay, listen to me. Late night hosts, <laughs> normalize getting on your knees and holding the hands of your guests while they talk to you. She did do that. Fallon, you coward. <laughs> Get on your knees and hold Billie Eilish's hand while she talks to you. Guys, E.T., She's that little girl from E.T., the little (laughs) sister, Charlie's Angels, Never Been Kissed, Batman Forever, (gasps) Scream. Oh, no! What are you doing? I'm making popcorn. I'm making popcorn. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. 
What are you watching? Oh, I don't know. Some scary movie. Don't forget 50 First Dates. <laughs> he put his phone down. I... <laughs> The fact that at the end of all of that, she's just destined to never know her day-to-day and spends the rest of her existence with Adam Sandler in Alaska or whatever they do. I I don't know. (laughs) The Wedding Singer, Firestarter, Donnie Darko. She has had such a great film career and she's so underrated for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. As the Prince Henry of France, Henri. Uh, yeah. We have, please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Dugray Scott. What a name. He was with us when we covered My Week with Marilyn. Mission Impossible 2. Oh, yeah. Enigma. <laughs> and Hitman. He's incredibly attractive, and I can't qualify it. I didn't think so at first. I was like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> and then as the movie went along, I also was falling in love with him. So I was like... <laughs> kind of like in a Dermot Mulroney kind of way. Like there was... I have a literal note and we'll get there. Where I was like, uh-oh, it's Biconic now. <laughs> as the Baroness Rodmila de Ghent. Danielle's wicked stepmother. A queen! Please welcome her back to kicking and streaming. We have the one, the only, Angelica Houston. The Grand High Witch herself? The Grand High Witch, yes, she was with us when we did the witches. Guys, Prizzy's honor. Daddy daycare. (laughs) All the classics, you know? And, and, and... She is Morticia Adams in the Adams Family. Thank you. We We can never not mention it. Playing Marguerite... The evil stepsister. Oh, boy. Marguerite de Ghent. We have Megan Dodds. Y'all will know her from House. (laughs) Yep. Or, well, Carrie will know her from House, really. (laughs) Vaguely, yes. Yeah. My name is Rachel Corey. Not going out. Detroit 187. CSI New York. Yep. Hi, Megan. Hate ya. Um, (laughs) Not you, but your character. As uh, Jacqueline de Ghent, Danielle's nice stepsister. (laughs) We have, please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming, Melanie Linsky. She was with us when we covered Heavenly Creatures. She was also with us when we covered The Perks of Being a Wallflower. That's right. Yeah, I know. And it's the one we hate to remember her for. (laughs) It's the one we hate to remember her for. I'm going to drop this in the related media, but y'all have got to hear Melanie Linsky's impression of Drew Barrymore. I had this moment, she gave me a gift when we started doing Ever After and it was so sweet. And I was like, I want to get her a gift. And I found at this antique market, these plates with a butterfly opening in different stages. I was like, perfect. And I gave them to her and she was like, oh my God, (laughs) if each one of these plates was to fall to the floor and smash into a thousand million pieces, each one of the pieces would scream, I love you, Melanie. Oh my gosh. Oh, Carrie, I forgot one. This is actually, she was actually with us another time because we covered, but I'm a cheerleader. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She is one of the people in the conversion camp. (laughs) So this is number four for her. God, I love her. And of course, who can forget her recent portrayal of Kathleen on HBO's The Last of Us? Also Castle Rock mm-hmm. and Mrs. America. Melanie, we love you. Hi, Queen. <laughs> and I love you in this movie. All right. As Leonardo da Vinci, we have Patrick Godfrey. I recognize him from the 2005 version of Oliver Twist. 
Yes. He is the bookseller in, yes. in Oliver Twist. and He's in a lot of things. I love that movie, but I despise that it's Roman Polanski. Yeah, you know, I, I just, know. I made you watch that with me. That's the dark one. Yeah, I know. They Well, they do it right. Oh. But fuck Roman Polanski, and I hate that he made any money off of that. Playing Gustav, Danielle's best friend, we have Lee Ingleby. Please welcome him to Kicking and Streaming. Hello, Mr. Ingleby. I was getting through my notes, and when he started popping up as an adult, I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice. And then I finally took the note. Oh my God, it's Stan fucking Shunpike from Harry Potter and the <gasps> Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh no! Take her away, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> yes, take it away, Anne. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. <laughs> Whereabouts are you headed? The Leaky Cauldron. That's in London. You hear that, Anne? The Leaky Cauldron. That's in London. Uh, Try the pea soup. Better eat it before it eats you. <laughs> but the muggles, can't they see us? Muggles, they don't see, see nothing. nothing, do they? No, but if you jam them with a fork, they feel it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I devolved into a bit. <laughs> Lee Angleby, you of course know him from Harry Potter, Inspector George Gently, uh, the A word on BBC, uh, portraying Monsieur Pierre Le Pew. Oh, no! We have Richard O'Brien. Please welcome him to Kicking and Streaming. This was a revelation. All you camp kids out there will recognize him as Riff Raff and the creator of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ross, I had no idea! Yeah, absolutely. I had no idea! He wrote the Rocky Horror Show in the early 1970s, and it became the movie we all know and love in 1975. Um, he also is notable for his voice role on Phineas and Ferb. Wait. Yeah, he's Larry Fletcher. He's Lawrence Fletcher. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Uh, in Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, he, he is the voice. You recognize that voice anywhere. Like, I know you're having a problem. Guys, Carrie's having a problem. We're going to need to take a break. <laughs> Portraying King Francis, Francis the First, mm-hmm. we have Timothy West. He's from EastEnders and Coronation Street, which are both huge British soap operas, <laughs> if anyone's aware. <laughs> As Queen Marie, we have Judy Parfit. She, she's from uh, David Copper. She's in that 60s version of David Copperfield. Oh, okay. From, 1950, from 1966. And yeah. al- she was also in the 1969 film version of Hamlet. Oh. She was Queen Gertrude. Of course she was! I know, yeah. Well, who else would she be, right? Oh. Welcome to Kicking and Streaming. I'm sorry, guys. I'm the worst. We've got Peter Gunn as Captain Laurent and Toby Jones as the Royal Page. Please welcome <laughs> him back to Kicking and Streaming. He was with us when we did, oddly enough, My Week with Marilyn. Yeah. Which do great. Scott is also in. Also, the Harry Potter connection with Stan Shunpike. I love that. Like, yeah. He's the voice of Dobby. Absolutely. He's Dobby, guys. Like, <laughs> Master has given Dobby, Dobby a, a sock. He what? <laughs> All right, guys, we absolutely must get to the content. We open on the Brothers Grimm. Like, the Brothers Grimm. The Brothers. They were Grimm's. <laughs> <laughs> they are arriving to this. Dowager royal lady. Uh, what did you call her? Her character's just called the Grand Dame. The Grand Dame. Which is not even a title. It's just, ah, oh, that's a Grand Dame, you know? <laughs> You're a Grand Old Dame. Na 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 na. Anyway, the Grand Old Dame has summoned the Brothers Grimm to her estate because she's taken issue with their rendition of her 
ancestor's story that will eventually become the inspiration for the Cinderella story we know as it is today. Who are you right now? I love this very... You have such this formality about the way you're speaking. Listen, I love it. because she summoned them here, she's got a problem, and she's going to be very straightforward with it. I find your collection of folktales quite brilliant, actually. Thank you. But I must say, I was terribly disturbed when I read your version of The Little Cinder Girl. She's like, yeah, no, you guys are warping the facts, <laughs> and I would like to illustrate for you a much better portrait of what this story looks like, quite literally, because there's a big portrait sitting next to her. Yeah, no. It's a Da Vinci. She waves to her attendant, and he produces a glass slipper and says, she looks them right in the face, and she's like, you may call her Ashen Poodle, but her name was Danielle de Barbarac. Put some respect on her name. Perhaps you will allow me to set the record straight. Then it's true. The story. Yes. Quite. Now then, what is that phrase you use? Oh, yes. Once upon a time, there lived a young girl who loved her father very much. Cue the no one being French. <laughs> Ross. I, I don't get it. <laughs> what do you mean you don't get it? I mean, there's 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 like three French people in this movie. I know. And no one is speaking French. No one is. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Stop mm-hmm. pretending like you don't get it. No one was French in A Knight's Tale either. <laughs> I, or uh, in Les Miserables. Yeah, I... Uh. We begin the narrative back in the early 1500s, right? Mm-hmm. Little Danielle de Barbarac is happier than a pig and shit about the fact that her father <laughs> is marrying a noblewoman. And as a result, we'll be getting a mother and two sisters all in the same day. It's going to be very exciting round here. What with the Baroness and all? Oh, hold still. Oh, master deserves some happiness after all this time. Bringing up the child on his own. Oh, she must be lovely. I hope she likes me. She'll love you. Just be the little angel I know's in there somewhere. Mm, and don't go chewing on the bones at dinner and give yourself away. Her father, Auguste yes. de, Bo- de, Be- de Barbaro? De Barbarac? De Barbarac. De, Bar- de Beaujarac? No. No, okay. De Barbarac. Auguste de Barbarac. He's obviously someone of note. Yes. I don't know if he's a peer, but he's obviously got no title, but he's got a nice house. He does. You know, he employs a lot of people. He's got money, is my point. And also, guys, talk about these uh, shooting locations. Like, they used... A lot of legit places in France. It was all shot in France. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know. I don't know the name of this specific chateau (laughs) that they are filming at. We're introduced to her handmaids, Paulette and Louise, who are basically her best friends. Thank you for getting their names. Uh, no, you didn't I, know them. I, I, they're not even credited. I know. I, well, they are, but like not on the Wikipedia. <laughs> Louise is married to a field hand named Maurice. Maurice is also in Danielle's MySpace Top 10. Indeed. When you live on a rural estate, often your best friends are the help. Yeah. But even though there's that class divide, the servants are treated on this estate 
like family. Mm-hmm. What a nice fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Very much so. And like she also has this little friend named Gustav who's her age. She roughs and rumbles with him just like she was another boy. She loves her queen. She does. <laughs> Gustav is her queen. I'm sorry. I think Gustav's the gay best friend. (laughs) And like we said, her father is remarrying a noblewoman, and he is arriving with his new bride and her two daughters. The Baroness Rodmila de Ghent. Oh, yeah. And the thing that's charming about Auguste is that he has no qualms about presenting his daughter to them all muddied up from fighting with Gustav. I mean, what is he going to do? It's very Arya Stark. Like, yeah, he's you like, know. who am I trying to impress? Mm-hmm. I had hoped to present a little lady. Well, I suppose you'll have to do. Danielle, may I present the Baroness Rothmila de Ghent and her daughters, Marguerite and Jacqueline. Hello, Danielle. At last we meet. Your father speaks of nothing else. Ladies, say hello to your new stepsister. Mademoiselle? Auguste is very proud of his little girl and encourages her to read and to have a good mind. He's always bringing her books from his travels. Not your typical 16th century father. Absolutely not. The last book he ever brings her is Utopia by Thomas More, which is just such a great nod to what the rest of this narrative is supposed to be about. Indeed. How things should be as opposed to how they are. Because Cinderella's, you know, essentially about finding some sort of miraculous happiness in your otherwise horrible circumstances. like In your class divide. Yeah, like... And I love their little relationship. It makes me that much more sad for what's about to come. Yeah, we don't get much of that relationship. Um, <laughs> this is where I would normally write, don't get used to dad, he doesn't last very long. You know, like, because I wrote, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> because, like, we all seem to be getting along to begin with, right? Yeah. Life seems okay, but then I wrote, uh-oh, Papa has to go to Avignon, and he most surely is going to die, right? Like, no, yeah, Daniel's father is getting ready to go to Avignon. <laughs> She's He's like, you just came back, and now you're leaving again? And I'm like, he's like, I shall be back in a week. He, he would, would not. not. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's setting out on his horse. The entire house is out to send him off, and he's no more than halfway down the driveway before he has a heart attack and falls off his horse. And dies. The entire family is running to him like, oh no, oh no, oh shit. And while Danielle is full of sorrow, the Baroness is full of dread. Auguste, you cannot leave me here. She's literally clutching him by the collar like, don't leave me with these bumpkins. No. Papa. (laughs) Oh, Auguste. You cannot leave me here! You cannot leave me here! Happy heart attack, everyone. Like, I... My goodness. Yeah, no. And the thing is, is that in those last few moments of life, Auguste turns to Danielle for comfort, not to the Baroness. And she's gonna take it so personally, like, to the point where she's going to start to own human beings personally. Like... Oh, no! I, I, I... It would be ten years before another man would enter her life. 
the man who was still a boy in many, many ways. Ten years later. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's French. <laughs> now we've got to talk about Prince Henry of France. He's gone out the window again. <laughs> He's one of those royals that is constantly escaping his responsibilities because he is betrothed to a princess of Spain in the hopes of uniting their kingdoms together. The Infanta de España. Oh, okay. The Infanta de España. Like, Henry's got first world problems. I do not love her. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Uh, King Dad, I'm sorry, King Frank, is very (laughs) upset that, you know, this kid hasn't settled down yet. This kid... He's like, yeah. He looks 40 years old. He does not. To start out with. To me, he does. I'm like. It's because he looks like a 90s dad, and therefore he looks like all of our dads in old pictures. Oh, no. (laughs) Why'd you have to say it? (laughs) Yeah, and Henry doesn't want to marry someone he doesn't know or love. Very human. Yes. Am I right? Absolutely. I signed a marriage treaty with the King of Spain, and by God, that boy will obey my command, or there will be hell to pay. But he does not love her, my lord. It's not about love. Perhaps it should be. If he is to become king, he must learn to accept his responsibility. A sapling cannot grow in the shadow of a mighty oak, Francis. He needs sunlight. He needs a good whipping. Meanwhile, we fade into Danielle's current state of existence. She's so hot. Good for her. Uh, Stop. She's 18. (laughs) Okay. I'm like, what? But, like, she's living as a scullery maid for her own stepfamily. Yeah, since we last saw her, she's not quite the free-range spirit on this chateau as we remember. She's definitely indentured to them now. Oh. It's heartbreaking to me because that is not what her father intended for her. No. But at the same time, she's making the best go of it she knows how. Yeah. She loves this land. Even though she's been demoted below her station, she still thinks of it as her father's land and is at least seemingly happy to work it with her little family of servants, Louise and and Paulette and Maurice, they all take care of each other under the thumb of the Baroness de Ghent. Mm -hmm. She's out picking apples one morning when she sees the literal Prince of France trying to kidnap one of their horses. And she doesn't know he's the King of France. She knocks him off the horse by throwing an apple at him. And somehow, in an era before print media... Knows he's the prince when he takes down his cloak. Yeah, there's no way she would know it was him. Like, <laughs> Forgive me, your highness, I did not see you. Your aim would suggest otherwise. And for that I know I must die. Uh, then, uh, then speak of this to no one and, uh, and I shall be lenient. But she's very sorry for bruising him with an apple. I mean, back then, when you talked about the royal family, they were some people in storybooks that lived very far away from you, you know? Yeah, no. But they still had power over you, you know? Because what were monarchs, Carrie? 
God's representatives on Earth. Oh, Barb. I know. And because he's God's representative on Earth, she's just going to let him leave the property with their horse. Why is he stealing it again? I think it's because his own horse has slipped one of his shoes. Gone lame. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they used to say, right? Yeah. When there's something wrong with the horse, you say it's lame. Yeah, and he's (laughs) stealing their horse so he can continue to get away. And he gives her money for her silence. Time to talk about the dynamic in this noble family as it stands. Danielle! Oh my god, the sound of the Baroness calling for Danielle every single time fills me with dread. Why is there no salt on this table? Danielle! Coming! As we said, Danielle, even though this is her father's house. And was before these bitches ever got here. She is being made to live as a scullery maid to her stepmother and stepsisters. Again, we have Marguerite, who is the cruel, spoiled child who the Baroness is hoping to marry off to royalty. And then we have Jacqueline, who is the ignored and neglected and somehow much nicer sister. It's the heir and the spare. The heir and the (gasps) spare. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh, no. Marguerite is the heir and Jacqueline is the spare. Danielle returns to the kitchen with the money from the prince and wants to use the money to get Louise's husband Maurice out of debtor's jail because he's about to be sold off to the colonies for labor if the Baroness cannot pay his debts. And you know she's not going to do that. No. Meanwhile, Prince Henry has happened upon a group of bandits robbing a wagon train, amongst of whom is none other than the famed painter and inventor Leonardo da Vinci. Genevieve's polymath, Leonardo da Vinci? (laughs) Oh, please, sir, for the love of God, the painting. That that man there, he's getting away. God will assist you. I cannot. Please, sir. It is my life. Why the fuck is he here? Listen, I get that it's historical context, but, like, here's the reason why Leonardo da Vinci is a character in this film. Is because Henry is trapped in what he feels like is a world of antiquity and austerity, and Leonardo da Vinci at the time represented the progress and the four-mindedness of intellectuals in Europe. The liberation uh, provided by the uh, Renaissance. Yes, absolutely. 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 And so that is a very welcome presence in Henry's life. I feel like this story is a lot less about Danielle's rise than it is deconstructing Henry of all of his conditioned views. Hey, that's not unfair. You know, like, because how else are we going to live? happily ever after (laughs) Oh no! if this man is from the 16th century. (laughs) And Leonardo begs the prince to stop the bandit who's getting away with his painting. Uh The fact that this movie would lead me to believe that the Prince of France saved the Mona goddamn Lisa from a Romani bandit is ludicrous. Mm -hmm. But I don't have any objections (laughs) because he chases that bandit down, takes the painting back, and he brings it back to Leonardo all wet and sweaty and grumpy. I thought I'd see the world before I gave up my life to God and country. Then why on earth did you stop? I suppose it's because I lack conviction. You seem to have it in spades. Besides, you claimed it was a matter of life and death. 
A woman always is, While that's going on, Danielle is preparing to pose as a courtier so she can beg for the release of Maurice before he's sent off to the Americas, right? Isn't Maurice married? No, he's married to Louise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like she's actually going to save a family here if she can get him out of debtor's jail. The fact that Danielle is putting literally everything on the line to buy back a servant. I mean, she gets it, but she may not have if she hadn't lost her father. And Maybe. I think and I, that's what I was thinking about. Like the rags to riches of it all. Like Drew Barrymore's performance is so earnest mm-hmm. and sincere, if not wholly well honed and executed. Like it's the accent for me, <laughs> you know. Like, cause she slips, she slips ever so often, but the delivery is still good. It's it's so sincere. Yeah, it's the earnestness. I just <laughs> I'm blinded by it. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. Danielle goes to the palace to plead for Maurice's case and meets the wagon toting the doomed debtors out of town. Including Maurice. And she stops the carriage as if to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I demand you release him at once, or I shall take this matter to the king. The king's the one that sold him. He's now the property of Cartier. He is not property at all, you ill-mannered tub of guts. Do you honestly think it right to chain people like Chatov? I demand you release him at once. Get out of my way! You dare raise your voice to a lady, sir? As she's advocating for Maurice's release, the prince rides up, and he's like, hey, you don't speak to a lady that way in my kingdom. (laughs) You kiss your mother with that mouth? (laughs) My God. This is where I begin to love Henry a little, because... He's actually listening to her discourse. The bar is so low. I know. (laughs) I know. If you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners corrupted from infancy and then punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them, what else is to be concluded, sire, but that you first make thieves and then punish them? Period. (laughs) Period. We are Danielle stands on this podcast. Like Danielle gets it. She's been noble and has also been the lowest of the low. She has lived in both sides of the coin. Like she really does have a firm grasp of the class divide. And she's educated. <laughs> and her whole discourse is enough to make Henry release Maurice. Well, that and the money that Henry gave her that morning to let him steal the horse. <laughs> The 20 golden shillings or whatever it is. See, but that's the thing, Ross. He doesn't know it's the same woman. Which, I'm sorry. What is it with people's object permanence in movies? (laughs) I mean, people are objects. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, if I met you, Uh Carrie Ann, if I met you this morning Uh and was sitting across from you just as I am right now, Uh right now, I would remember you from this morning. Have we met? I do not believe so, Your Highness. I could have sworn I knew every courtier in the province. Well, I'm visiting a cousin. Who? My cousin. Yes, you said that. Which one? The only one I have, sire. She cannot shake him! She knows he cannot learn who she is. So she gives him her mother's name, a noble name, Comtesse Nicole de Mm L'Ancre. And, guys... 
the moment that she leads Maurice back onto the property... Oh, how happy those women are to be reunited with him. I can't imagine... Ex- I can't imagine existing like that, Carrie. Yeah. Anyone who is in a station above you can just play with your life however they want. And, like, that's still happening, but, like... Yeah. That was in a much more extreme way. I can't imagine being sold away from everyone I love and cherish. Like Louise thought she'd never see him again. I know. And, like, Danielle doing that, uh, again. She the... created a miracle. I know. This is where King Francis. King Dad. S- King Dad. Mm-hmm. Sick to death of his son's rebellion, has decided to make him a deal. In honor of Signor Da Vinci, I have decided to throw a ball. A must ball. At which point, you and I will strike a compromise. Compromise? You? If love is what you seek, then I suggest you find it before then. For five days hence, at the stroke of midnight, you will announce your engagement to the girl of your choice, or I will announce it for you. The prince is giving a ball! The prince is giving a ball! Yeah, that's basically what's happening. And listen, you know, I understand, like, you got to do what you got to do. He, but he basically wants his son to marry Spain. Yeah. You know, just so that we can keep ourselves out of wars. Yeah. It would not happen. And all I'm saying, the real life Prince Henry, Henry II of France, he would just marry Catherine de Medici anyway. All right. Anyway. News of the engagement reaches the palace guard, upon which we learn that the Baroness has a man on the inside, however small, to inform her... <laughs> Sorry, that was rude, Toby. I'm Baroness sorry. Baroness has given Dobby a task. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This palace guard is here to inform her of the palace goings on so she can manipulate any social situation for Marguerite's benefit, right? Mm-hmm. If Angelica Houston asked me to hit you with a car, I probably would. Oh, no. I'm kidding, Carrie. <laughs> I would never do that. I'd think about it first. But you wouldn't. No. And that's the important part. I mean, we'll see. Oh, my God! (laughs) The Baroness de Ghent is trying to find Marguerite an outfit to wear for the ball. And instead of going through her own wardrobe, Mm -hmm. the Baroness decides to pillage Danielle's wardrobe, specifically her dowry, the dress that her mother left to her as part of her dowry. It's a beautiful gown. It's nice. It's silver. Mm-hmm. It's got all this uh, pseudo-crystal work on the neckline. Yeah. It's incredible. Shoes to match. A dress that would make any woman proud to wear it. Mm-hmm. But the Baroness and Marguerite are like, waste not, what not? And Jackie's in the back just sucking her thumb. Yeah, no, she's like admittedly like, hey. Mother, if that dress is hers, perhaps she'll want to wear it to the ball. Since when does a royal function include commoners? Well, never. But she is our stepsister and the invitation did say to the ladies she of the house. She's not of noble blood. And besides, who would notice? No one. Honestly, Jacqueline, who's sad you are? But when Danielle catches them in the act of, quote, airing out her dress... They lead her to believe that she will also be invited to the ball along with the rest of them, which is 100% not true. You wish me to go to the mask? (laughs) No, that's not how she says it. Not your fucking Drew Barrymore impression. (laughs) Meanwhile, Henry is getting closer to Leonardo da Vinci 
and he's having a lot of philosophical conversations about one's true love because there's probably someone perfect for you. And she probably lives in Tahiti. Exactly. <laughs> and is everything just chance or are some things meant to be? You cannot leave everything to fate, boy. She's got a lot to do. Sometimes you must give her a hand. What's this project? Would you care to see if they work? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm throwing my hands in the air about the whole Leo da Vinci thing. Like, And while Leonardo is testing out his boat shoes. The boat shoes, Gary. <laughs> the boat shoes. Because that was so funny. I was like, what are those? They're like little boats. And then it dawned on me. I was like, we are going to get letters about this. <laughs> He's trying to walk on water like Jesus. And he comes upon in his boat shoes. Danielle bathing in the in the river. While I'm just not willing to accept him as a character, he does have some of the funnier moments. Like, it looks like rain. Signore Da Vinci, you all right? I should leave walking on water to the Son of God. Fortunately, I tripped over an angel. Chess. <laughs> Your Highness. Prince Hank <laughs> recognizes the Comtesse Nicole de la, de la Contra? De, de, de la Contra? De Longcre. De, Long, de Longcre. Yeah, no, he recognizes her this time. She has no explanation for why she's in peasant garb. And this scene is where we get more of their, you know, getting to know you, getting to know all about you. <laughs> and, the, you know, her picking his brain and being like, aren't you tired of oppressing the class I've been relegated to? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. She's like further probing into his pro-servant philosophy of the workforce. He's like, I have a reputation to maintain. I have a position to maintain. And she's like, you're vain and privileged. <laughs> yeah. And you don't see how you're spitting on everyone who is in a station lower than yours. You have everything and still the world holds no joy. And yet you insist on making fun of those who would see it for its possibilities. How do you do it? What? Live each day with this kind of passion. Don't you find it exhausting? Only when I'm around you. Why do you like to irritate me so? Why do you rise to the occasion? <laughs> <laughs> don't talk like that, Henry. <laughs> I'm tucking the hair I don't have behind my ear. <laughs> oh, I know. You're into it. You're into it. And I, I know fell, you are. I, I fell in love with him as the movie went on. When I first saw him, I was like, oh. <laughs> and then as we're going along, I'm like, all right. All right. Okay. Okay. Take me out to the ball game, Dad. Like, I, ugh. Take me out to the ball game. <laughs> the way that almost slipped past me. It was the 90s dad look, like you said. Yeah. Like, uh, anyway. Meanwhile, Marguerite is bending over backwards to make herself known in the French court. That tennis game scene where... What is this? <laughs> she's attending his tennis match. Is it tennis? It is tennis. Okay. And, like, she is really trying to worm her way into his social life, right? Yeah. Speaking of worms trying to get their way into people's social life, we have got to talk about Monsieur Le Pew. It's astounding. <laughs> Time is fleeting. Oh, no. That's all I can think about anytime he's on screen. Oh, my God. Because it's fucking riffraff. It's riffraff, yeah. 
And like the thing is, is Monsieur Le Pew is the biggest patron of their little market stand that they take out every day or every weekend, whatever. He's like the only person who buys anything. And the chief reason he does that is because he's interested in Danielle. Mm-hmm. Just another lech, I swear. You need a, a wealthy benefactor. And I need a young lady with spirit. Prince? No. I'll buy nothing this week. And you do well to remember that without my generosity, your pathetic little farm would cease to exist. So I'd be very, very careful if I were you. Following a nice day in the market with the prince, the baroness is pretty confident that Marguerite will be the choice for the prince for his engagement. And she is like, she's trying to go to bed and Danielle is dressing her down for bed. And they're like at the fireside and she's talking to Danielle almost as if she has no idea who Danielle is. You know what I mean? So that's the thing I was noticing. Like, obviously, when this is all said and done, fuck them all, you know, like the, yeah. whole, the whole step family. But, you know, I took the note, you know, I like that the step family, like, really fucking sucks, but they're really only latently evil. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like... They're evil by necessity. I hate the almost moments. Yeah. Between Danielle and Rodmila. Yeah. Like, and especially in that scene, the, the scene that we're talking about now is the biggest example of it. It's like, okay, we're actually kind of talking to each other like we might be on the same level instead of you're miles below me and I'm all the way up here, you know? <laughs> you have so much of your father in you. Sometimes I can almost see him looking out through your eyes. Really? Yes, well, your features are so masculine. And, well, to be raised by a man. No wonder you're built for hard labor. Danielle wants a mom so bad, and the Baroness is no substitute. Mm-hmm. Did you love my father? And she goes, well, I barely knew him. And I'm like, well, yeah. And she's like, oh, I feel so strange all of a sudden. Go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Exactly. Oh, I think I just got a little bit emotional <laughs> about something to do with you. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't want to feel this way anymore, you know. The next day, Henry arrives at the at the DeGent Manor to take Danielle on a date to a monastery. Yeah, no, the monastery date. Listen, because it's got a huge library, and he that 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 is definitely her thing, you know. This is peak 14th century game. I don't care what anybody says. Danielle presents herself as Nicole de Lancre for his scrutiny. She's practically sneaking out of the manor. He takes her to the monastery to the library. A monk date. A monk date. (laughs) (laughs) When he asks her to select a favorite book and she goes, I could no sooner choose a favorite star in the heavens. Okay. (laughs) Andy, you're laying it on a little thick in the script. She's like, I'm educated. (laughs) And like, this is just quite an improvement on the tale as we know it. When I was young, my father would stay up late and read to me. He was addicted to the written word and 
I would fall asleep listening to the sound of his voice. What sort of books? Science, philosophy. I suppose they remind me of him. He died when I was eight. Utopia was the last book he brought home. Which explains why he quoted. I would rather hear his voice again than any sound in the world. You have more conviction in one memory than I have in my entire being. <gasps> after she talks about her father. Oh, no. And I'm like, cut me deep, Shrek. You, you cut, cut me, me real, real deep, deep just, just now. now. You cut me deep, Danielle. You cut me real <laughs> deep just now. Because he's just kind of realizing in his own little head. And he's like, wow, my life is small. Yeah. A lot smaller than I thought it was. You know, I have the entire reach of the king of the land at my hands. But do I? <laughs> do I feel He's thinking to himself, do I feel and think things the way common people do? So, Henry... (laughs) This is where I wrote, oh no, now it's Biconic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Uh, Henry dismisses his bodyguards for the day to have an intimate time with her. Not a sexual time with her. An intimate time. An intimate time with her. And in the 16th century, this really is the height of romanticism, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're unaccompanied on a date with another man? Can I divulge one detail to you that I noticed? What? As the film goes along, and I'm sorry, Carrie, I don't make the rules, go back and look. (laughs) Okay. His costumes, as the plot goes along, his pants get tighter and tighter <laughs> and tighter. Oh, my God! <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Ah, oh, my God! And then as that's happening, my pants are getting tighter Stop. and tighter. Stop! Sorry. Sorry. Meanwhile, Marguerite is worming her way into the royal elite by pretending to return a dropped valuable to the queen, right? And the queen is so fucking full of jewels. She's like, I didn't even realize I put that on today. Is it even hers? That's the thing. She didn't put it on today. Somebody stole it from her bedchamber for the baroness so Marguerite could pretend to give it back. Oh, yeah, I forgot about those details. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you, child. It is a rare person indeed who would return such a valuable keepsake. You are too magnanimous, Majesty. Uh, Marguerite, we shall have a chat tomorrow, you and I. Um, Bring your mother. Meanwhile, in the forest, Henry's carriage has lost a wheel, and this is where... (laughs) Okay. Yeah, no. (laughs) There is is no AAA in these times, Roz. We're doing this now. And we've quickly learned that Henry does not know the land. No. He will be king of it someday, but he doesn't know where the fuck he's going. But Danielle knows where she's at. Because she loves the land and she works it. (laughs) So he's just going to have to rely on her prowess to get them through the rest of this afternoon. She literally strips down to her underthings so she could feasibly climb a rock formation to see which is the best way to the castle from where they are, right? Mm-hmm. He's so butthurt that she's providing him directions, but is also enchanted by her initiative. And I still can't believe that I'm down here while you're up there. And in your undergarments, no less. Well, I couldn't very well climb up here in that gown now, could I? And besides, you might break your royal neck, and then where would we be? You swim alone, climb rocks, rescue servants. Is there anything you don't do? Fly. Drew Barrymore, stop it! (laughs) I am tucking the hair I don't have behind my ear! 
But then... Guys, this is... They came out of nowhere. <laughs> they are set upon by a group of Romani people. Thank you. They use a different word in this movie that we don't like. This uh, band of Romani people are here to rob them. This is literally the same group of people who tried to rob Leonardo da Vinci in the forest. It's giving Monsieur Hood vibe. <laughs> Break it down. <laughs> Thanks you for this fine garment, mademoiselle. You will give me back my dress, sir. Danielle descends down to the forest floor where Henry is unsuccessfully fighting them all off and demands on principle that the Romanis let her go and give her whatever she can carry. And they think it's funny. <laughs> this woman saying, let me go with my life. And they're like, okay, okay fine. On my honor. Whatever you can carry. And carry? <laughs> the way she picks Henry's whole ass up, <laughs> puts him over her back, and carries him away? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I am sploosh. Like, <laughs> mommy? Sorry. Mommy? Sorry. <laughs> mommy? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're admiring the gallantry of it, right? This is also where I noted the acting is so spotty, but I'm caring less and less <laughs> yeah. as time goes on because I am also falling in love with both of them. Yeah, biconic. Like, it's so biconic. New dream, new headcanon just dropped. <laughs> I live with Prince Henry and Princess Danielle in the castle in France. Anyway. So the Romani leader, incredibly enchanted by her, uh, let's call it, savoir-faire, gives them a horse and invites them to have a little party with them. They're drinking, they're playing music, and of course, this is more of them getting closer together. Henry is being very honest with her about his station. I have no desire to be king, he says. Yeah, no! And I'm like, would you look at that? (laughs) I wonder if any other heirs to the throne have felt that way over the years. You know, just being born into circumstance, you know? And that is the juxtaposition of the conversation they're having, isn't it? What you're born into, and therefore what you have, what you have to live for some reason, you know? Yeah. Think of all the wonderful things you could do. For your country, for the world. Yes, but to be so defined by your position. To never be seen as who you are, but what you are. You have no idea how insufferable that is. You might be surprised. (laughs) Really? A gypsy, for example, is rarely painted as anything else. They are defined by their status as your title defines you, yet it is not who they are. You have been born to privilege, and with that come specific obligations. When he says, like, to be so defined by your position rather to be seen for, you know, and being seen for what you are rather than who you are, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Do we not like that feeling, Henry? (laughs) Hank? Hank, maybe you should talk to mom and dad about it. (laughs) Since they think they have the right to rule everyone here. I love that she's 
educating him. Yeah. And this is where he steals a kiss for the first time. I love the way Drew Barrymore keeps her eyes open on the first kiss. Uh Like a taste. Yeah. You know, (laughs) do I like it? You know, and then she closes her eyes and continues. She decides she likes it. Uh, yeah, and I think the rest of us do as well. Uh, Cut to the castle. We're parting the curtains and waking up mom and dad. (laughs) Yeah. The the way King Frank is like, off with his head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, this is where Henry decides to ask his parents to establish a university in France where anybody can study no matter their station. This is some inspiration from Danielle. No, like the way he didn't part those curtains and immediately go, I found a woman. Yeah, no. He's like, I want to do some good in the world. Yeah. The inspiration that Danielle is having on him. She's changing France for the better, Carrie. <laughs> I know. Meanwhile, back at the DeGent estate, uh, Danielle's morning is not going so well because she obviously was dropped off in the middle of the night. And now... And now there's no breakfast because yeah. she's the one that needs to be awake to make it and she was not. Baroness is literally poking her with a broom wondering why she hasn't boiled their eggs. <laughs> Are you ill? No. Uh, yes. Where were you? I got lost. I don't believe you. You're hiding something from me. I can feel it. I demand to know what it is. Why don't you tell me so I can get back to sleep? What about our breakfast? You have two hands. Make it yourself. The Baroness takes this affront of Danielle's that morning as full license to actually pocket her mother's dress. Danielle has blown off the entire morning only to find Marguerite and the Baroness mooning over her dowry dress again in the evening. They've taken out her dress and just given themselves permission to use it for Marguerite's selfish gain. And she is not down with that. Yeah, that is my mother's dress. And like, you're not just going to take it from me. And what an awkward chase that ensues. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. no, What's the comment, Harry? (laughs) What's the comment that Maggie makes? These are my mother's. Yes, and she's dead. I'm going to rip your hair out! Unhinged, Danielle! My hands don't discriminate! Like... <laughs> And then a chase ensues throughout the house. It's such an awkward it little is. sequence. <laughs> the way they're grabbing at the walls and at furniture for each other. And like Marguerite is screaming. Yeah, yeah, She's never been threatened in her life. I know. Someone tried her and she doesn't like it. And she gets down to the kitchen, Marguerite does, and sees the Utopia book that Danielle's father gave her before he died, she picks it right up off the stool and holds it over the flame. Get away from me, so help me go! No! Marguerite, don't! Put it down! Give me the shoes! Put it down! Consider carefully, Danielle, your father's book or your mother's shoes, though neither will save you from sound lashing. And then Danielle not wanting the book to be burned, gives the Baroness the shoes, and Maggie drops it in the fire anyway. Oh, it's awful, the way she's crying out for it. If if that were bad enough, they give Danielle last 
ashes. Yeah, the Baroness has Danielle whipped for insubordination. And like, with with Jackie tending to Danielle's wounds. Oh, Jacqueline is like dipping, you know, rags in hot water and literally treating her wounds. This was the note I took for this scene. I was like, I think Jackie loves Danielle. Yeah. And that makes me want to cry. I know. Because, like, I mean, Jackie doesn't feel like she has any currency with which to express that. Yeah. Because she'll be punished for doing that. But, like, Jacqueline also knows what it's like to be the outsider. And the second best. And the second best Uh, in his family. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Their situations are not comparable. However, she does know what the feelings are that accompany that. She should not have said that about your mother. Thank you. So we're going to tea with the queen, right? With the baroness and Maggie? Yeah, this is the luncheon where the queen and the baroness and Marguerite are all getting together to reward Marguerite for returning, I'm using finger quotes, that stolen heirloom of the queen's. And this is where I love this scene so much because up until this point, the Baroness and Marguerite and Jacqueline, they have no idea that Danielle has been having rendezvous with the prince, right? Yeah, but she's kind of starting to put things together, isn't she? Because the queen asks if either of them know who Nicole Comtesse de Lancre is. Who is this Comtesse we're hearing so much about? We heard she's staying in the area with a cousin, they said, and we just <laughs> don't know who. And the Baroness knows that name. It's her former husband's former wife's name. Yeah. And when Marguerite intellectualizes this, she stands up and has a full-blown tantrum. That moment... She stands up in front of the queen god and everybody and has a tiny little bitch fit to herself and then sits back down. The look on the queen's face like, Good heavens, child. Are you all right? There was a bee. (laughs) And she goes, There was a bee. (laughs) That's unhinged. I was like, a bee? And the and. That's how Rod Miller reacts, by nervous laughing. (laughs) Meanwhile, Danielle is meeting Henry at the ruins at Ambrose, just like he asked. Amboise. Amboise. I'm sorry, Amboise. You gotta get the French right, Karen. (laughs) And it's terrible because she's basically there to break up with him. No, she's there to tell him the truth, right? She wants, she so badly wants to tell him the truth. Hey... I'm not this countess. I'm not this countess Nicole person. I'm actually quite common. Yeah, and like... He's not listening. I've measured my life by these trees. Starting here. All the way up there. And still they, they grow. So much life to live. But I no longer imagine it alone. This is where I took the note, why is this movie making me feel so much? I know. Like, I had little to no idea that this was like this. Mm -hmm. Because I was a little boy, and I wrote (laughs) this off. 
Like, this is a very personal place, a very personal thing he's showing her. Like, and he he's doing this to give her back the same love he feels she has shown him so far. Like, like he's he's so taken. He I feel like he just feels like his eyes have been opened by her a little bit. Yeah. And he just he can't get enough of that. And he really cherishes that. When he says, I feel the most wonderful freedom oh, yeah. that I didn't feel before, you know? Because he's talking about the library, right? It's a project actually inspired by you. I feel the most wonderful freedom. It wasn't me. Unlike any courtier I have ever met. Tomorrow at the mosque, I shall make it known to the world. Why did you have to be so wonderful? And then he looks at her and goes, Now what was it you wanted to tell me? (laughs) Oh my God, Carrie, it kills me. I know! The line, Why did you have to be so wonderful? Danielle returns home and the Baroness is, you guessed it, ready to give her the business because she knows all about the lie she's been perpetuating. Mm -hmm. And the way the Baroness is almost offended, like, I can't believe you gave the prince your mother's name. The thing that we haven't talked about up until this point is all throughout the movie, Things have been going missing from the house periodically. Yeah, and like a fascist, uh, the Baroness is saying, I'm going to punish everyone. Yeah! Because this is happening, despite the fact it's her fucking doing it. Oh no, she's taking things from the home and selling them so they'll continue to have money to live as they do. Shit's fucking unhinged. The gown, the slippers, they were in my room this morning and now they're gone. You hid them, I know it! Where did you put the gown, Danielle? Where are the candlesticks? And the tapestries and the silver! Perhaps the dress is with them! You'll produce that gown? I would rather die a thousand deaths than to see my mother's dress on that spoiled, selfish cow! Period. (laughs) I I agree. I am with Danielle. I am with the Comtesse. Like, I... No, just the way she goes, spoiled, selfish cow! I know. Like, I'm like, Danielle, baby, let it out. Call her account. Call her Call her bovine. She's <laughs> acting like one. Like, I... Moo. <laughs> so the Baroness locks Danielle in the kitchen, and she and the daughters both go to get ready for the ball. And in the meantime, the Baroness has let loose a rumor that Danielle is going to be married to a Belgian lord. Stop talking like that behind Danielle Nicole's back. Yeah, no, seriously, because now obviously word has gotten to the prince that Danielle's going to marry someone else. And now Henry's hurt. Yeah. Oh, my poor sweet baby. He was (laughs) excited about life five minutes ago, and now I just, uh... Now he's basically down to the C-string of people he was considering to be his wife, amongst whom is Marguerite, right? So Gustave, remember little Gustave, her friend? Uh Uh-huh. Knowing what's happened to Danielle, goes to Da Vinci... And tells him what's happened so that he can save Danielle from her plight. What the fuck? And he does because he's a good bean. Because, like, they can't get that door open, right? They don't have the key. (laughs) And, you know, the way Da Vinci walks up to that door 
takes the rod out of the hinge and just takes it off the wall. And they're like, <laughs> you're a genius. Yes, I will go down in history as the man who opened a door. <laughs> we have this, I want to go to the ball. Yeah. But I can't go to the ball. I have nothing to wear. I deceived him. Yeah. I'm... And he's going to hate me for it. Listen, you're doing your Drew Barrymore impression, but this is a very genuine no, moment for is. me. It is. It is. Because, like, she's already like, I've already lied to him. Come, child, the night is young. We must get you ready for the ball. I do not wish to go. But if you stay, the Baroness wins. How can I face him? Because he deserves to hear the truth. From the one he loves. A bird may love a fish, signore, but where would they live? Then I shall have to make you wings. Aw, and now we're going to put on the Hannah Montana wig and go to the <laughs> ball. They get her all dressed up. And honestly, I don't remember how this happens. Wait a minute. This is the dress, right? No, that's what I'm getting ready to say. Yeah. Of all the things in the house that have disappeared, the dress and the shoes, the Baroness was not responsible for that. I think that one of the members of the help, either Paulette or Louise or Maurice. Or what about Jackie? Or maybe it was Jacqueline. Yeah. They took the dress out of the trunk and kept it back so that Marguerite couldn't wear it to the ball. Mm. And now they've got it for her. And guys. They're sending her on her way. This is going to be so good. The mask is on. Oh, yeah. Like, just honestly, like we said, obviously Marguerite couldn't wear Danielle's dress to the party, right? Mm -hmm. So instead, she's dressed as a peacock. Yeah, no. And then what is Jacqueline dressed as? A horse. Yeah. And then what the fuck is... What the fuck is the Baroness supposed to be? I I didn't even notice. It's giving Maleficent. Yeah, it is. Which I'm sorry if there was ever a role that Angelica Houston missed. <laughs> it was it, it was, was Maleficent. Maleficent. Yeah, yeah, like the party is a grand one. The way it is in all Cinderella stories, no expense spared. So the the set that they're on, it's called the Chateau de Hautefort. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and. I, I, I'm showing you picture. Yeah? yeah. Ooh. It is a place you can go, and it was a medieval fortress. They're in a real medieval fortress. Wow. I know. Oh, my God. Talk about topiary. <laughs> and the king is ready to, you know, announce that Henry has reluctantly decided that maybe Marguerite is going to be his bride. The thing is, is that we don't actually get to the announcement, right? Yeah, no, barely. Because... Barely. As he's about to announce it, he's about to announce it, and Henry literally clutches his arm. Because who's at the other end of the courtyard, Gary? It's Danielle. It's Danielle. Without further ado... Breathe. Just breathe. It is my great privilege to announce the engagement of our son, Prince Henry... This iconic entrance. This is always the shot I see from the trailer and any promo material from this movie, like... She's wearing her mother's silver dress and shoes, and Leonardo has literally built her fairy wings mm -hmm. for this costume, and she's wearing glitter on her cheeks. And of course, she's got a glass slippers, like she, they do in Cinderella. She's like, so 
nervous. Her mother's glass shoes. Like. The way she's like, just breathe. The idea of glass shoes is honestly unhinged to me. <laughs> like, you're wearing what? <laughs> and doing what? <laughs> In glass shoes. No, I know. I get it. You, like, you're going to end up with a bloody foot tonight. Like, that's all I'm saying. But cuckoo, cuckoo, there's blood in the shoe. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're right. It's a great moment. I'm ruining it. Like... Like, this is his true love, right? He stops the party. Yeah, he does. The the mask is off now, (laughs) and he is scampering across the courtyard to get to her. And and she's saying, listen, before we go any fucking further, (laughs) I need to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I have something I need to tell you. And he's like, wait a minute. I'm going to show you off to everybody. And then he's like, takes her hand. And she's like, wait, please, no. And like the Baroness sees him leading her down the aisle. And she's like, of course. (laughs) Maggie, what are you doing making you a princess? (laughs) (laughs) She storms up to the red carpet in a truly TMZ way and rips the wings off the back of her shoulders. As if she's Danielle from Real Housewives. (laughs) Prostitution! (laughs) Gets right in her face. And she's like... Madam, contain yourself. She is an imposter, sire. No! Her name is Danielle de Barbrac, and she's been a servant in my home for the past ten years. A servant, Henry? Is this some kind of joke? Oh, in the way Henry looks at her, tell these women who you are. Tell them! <sighs> Carrie, I was having so much fun. Uh-huh. I was feeling such a way mm-hmm. up until this point. And poor Danielle. She's like, I am what she says I am. Oh, it breaks me. Nicole de Lancre was my mother. I am what she says. The apple. That was you. I can't explain. Well, someone had better. First, you're engaged. And now you're a servant? I don't love Henry anymore either. (laughs) Because he immediately turns it off. I know. When he finds out that she is actually of a, air quote, lower class than him. I know. He drops her like a hot potato. I think it's more about the lie than it is about the class. Well, I'm sorry. He should be able to understand that by now. But I get (laughs) it. We need a plot. We need a problem in the plot. She tears out of there just like the fairy tale. She flees the castle. She's just got the one wing now because the Baroness tore the other one off. And she leaves behind the one shoe. And Da Vinci's like, where the fuck is she going? Like, what? didn't we just do this? Like, what? And he picks up the shoe and he goes to Henry like, hey, dude, what happened? I just got here. Brooding like a child on the battlements. Like, oh, it's too much. He's like, she lied to me and blah, blah, blah. I am much as expected of me. You build flying machines and you walk on water, and yet you know nothing about life. I know that a life without love is no life at all. And love without trust? What of that? She's your match, Henry. I am but a servant to my crown, and I have made my decision. I will not yield! Then you don't deserve her. And the way he's like, you do not deserve her, I'm like, okay, okay, Leo, you can stay. (laughs) You get it? Like, and he leaves that solitary shoe next to him on the wall. 
and like <laughs> just in case you're interested just in case you pull your head out of your ass the way like, he was like horse shit <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> Horse shit! And I was like, oh, Leo, get your head out of your ass! <laughs> the next day, Danielle is just trying to labor and get over the whole emotional business. And because the Baroness knows that Danielle prevented Henry from naming Marguerite as his bride, she's ready to punish her to the fullest extent. And Danielle doesn't even care. There's, an, again, there's nothing more she could take from her at this point. Mm-hmm. I have done everything you've ever asked me to do, and still you've denied me the only thing I ever wanted. What was that? What do you think? You are the only mother I have ever known. Was there a time, even in its smallest measurement, that you loved me at all? How can anyone love a pebble in their shoe? And that is always the scene, isn't it? Yeah. That you associate most with this movie. Yeah. Is that confrontation between Angelica Houston and Drew Barrymore. It's the one it's the thing I remember most about this movie mm-hmm. from when I was a kid. And just her saying that to her, how could one love a pebble in their shoe? Like, Danielle did not win, Baroness. It's like it's like what I'm talking about the almost moments. Yeah. This is like an anti almost moment, you know? Like Yeah. I just deplorable. It's disgusting. Absolutely deplorable. You know what? If we're going to be realistic about it, it's a fairy tale, but if we're going to (laughs) be realistic about it and look at these characters as just human beings, I can completely understand having absolutely no feelings for a child that is not your own. I get that. But, you know, there's still basic human dignity and respect. Like, How could you not love a kid? It's not like she came into this family when Danielle was a young woman. You guys gate crashed! Yeah! You guys crashed this party! <laughs> it was just fine before you showed up. And then you showed up, relegated everyone to service class, and just were complete <laughs> for ten years. I'm sorry you have to bleep those out. I... <laughs> Like, I just, no. I'm sick of it. Uh, and now she's going to do the worst thing. Oh, be- yeah. Because, like, who do we see out front? Monsieur Le Pew. Monsieur Le Pew. And she's like, I've taken care of a lot of my problems here, Danielle. Like, you know, because, like, we see a big wagon load full of all the shit that's been st- air quote stolen from the house yeah the stuff that she's been selling off to Le Pew over these past couple of weeks and the Baroness is like I made a deal you for all of our fine possessions back <gasps> the Baroness and I have come to uh, an arrangement you for all this although I do think I'm getting the better end of the deal <gasps> no no Danielle's like, wait a minute, what? And then, like, she's being yanked away and put in the car, and poor Louise and Paulette are, like, trying to get her away from them. And I'm like, no, don't give her to the latch. This is awful. This is human trafficking. It is. Like, I... It absolutely is. But the Baroness is no stranger to human trafficking, as we know. Like... Poor Danielle. And you know what? It's not a long affair. <laughs> oh, no. Come, go, oh, whoa. Oh, yeah, I know. Hold on. We've got to talk about my favorite scene in the movie. All right, all right. <laughs> we cut to the wedding of Prince Henry of France. And the Infanta de España. Yeah, and the Infanta de España. <laughs> 
this princess of Spain whose name we either don't get or I don't remember. Indeed. She's a lovely lady. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that she... <laughs> they're walking up the aisle together. And like the music and the finery of the ceremony. <laughs> and she is sobbing. Yeah, like <laughs> in a really annoying way. <laughs> The noises she is making. (laughs) And like Henry's like, oh. God, <laughs> because she also wants to marry a common man, right? Yeah, she does. She does not want to be doing this. And you know, in like big ceremonies like this, they have you kneel. Yeah, you know, on the God's bench or the God's cushion or whatever the fuck it's <laughs> the called. God's cushion. <laughs> You kneel before the priest so he can bless your union. And so he can sing at you in Latin. And... <laughs> well, no! Well, the, the, he goes, he takes a deep breath to sing the Latin, and she sobs through the whole thing! And there's, he's, Henry's kneeling there, hands folded, and he just starts laughing. <laughs> because he can't stand it. It's all ridiculous. And they are in despair for no reason yeah, because no. this does not need to happen I know exactly how you feel go run be with your man and like the, the, he's standing off to the side the guy she actually wants to marry and the way the spanish parents start arguing oh, yeah, the king and queen of spain are like <laughs> what the fuck and then francis looks at his wife and goes i thought i had problems yeah like <laughs> and so henry's like fuck it i'm off to get my real woman Henry's running through the streets, and he passes the Baroness's coach, and he asks Maurice where Danielle is, and he tells him flat out that she's been sold sold. to Monsieur Le Pew. And cut to Danielle, literally shackled in Le Pew's mansion, because she's tried to run away so many times. And, like, I just... The fact that, again, Danielle's at her lowest. You cannot take anything more from Danielle. Oh, I do so hate to see you in irons. I'd remove them. If only you'd promise not to run away again. I have no reason to stay. You belong to me now. I belong to no one. Least of all you. When Monsieur Le Pew, when she's like, you know, cleaning his possessions and all that stuff in his house, you know. And, oh, he's nasty. Oh, he's disgusting. And when he's like, you know, you belong to me now. <gasps> and she's still like, fuck you. I don't belong to anybody. She would rather die than submit to him, and I love her for it. Mm-hmm. And the, the way he tries to make a move on her, and she pulls a dagger from, I swear to God, out of his own belt <laughs> and points it at his throat. With another, where did the sword come from? I don't know. But she's holding him at sword and knife point. My father was an expert swordsman, monsieur. He taught me well. Now 
hand me that key or I swear on his grave I will slit you from navel to nose. <gasps> Period. <gasps> Period, Danielle. Oh, oh, that that line always gets me to the core. Like, oh shit, she is ready to lay everything on the line. I will cut you <laughs> from navel to nose. I promise you that. And he acquiesces. <laughs> he gives her the key to her shackles. With a bit of a mind flip and a bit of a time slip, he is like, okay, I'm listening. Like, <laughs> Let there be no mistake. She saved herself from him. Yeah, I was going to say, because what, she goes outside and there's Hank. Yeah, like riding up like five minutes too late. He's like, I came to rescue you. And she's like, I'm too late, bitch. I already did that. Like... <laughs> You're too late. Like, I've already been here. Like, But she can't believe he's standing there. He's supposed to be getting married today. Actually, I came to beg your forgiveness. I offered you the world, and at the first test of honor, I betrayed your trust. Please, Danielle. Say it again. I'm sorry. No. The part where you said my name... Sploosh! <laughs> Period. Like that moment fills me up. Yeah, it does. Can you imagine? She's in love with this man, and he's never called her by her real name. And guys, we get the famous moment. He takes out that glass shoe. And it's not like whoever fits this glass shoe will be my wife. He knows who the shoe belongs to. Mm-hmm. And he just he kneels down and has her put her foot out. I kneel before you, not as a prince, but as a man in love. But I would feel like a king if you, Daniel de Barbavac, would be my wife. I know, I know. And I'm crying. And then she gives him a big hug. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, but oh, yes, at the same time. You have to finish this. I know, I know. <laughs> but you know what, Ross? The thing I love about this movie is it saves the best for last. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Degents have no idea what's happened to Danielle. Oh, no, yeah, they just, the, the uh, uh, Captain Laurent shows up. At their house mm-hmm. next morning or whatever. I don't know how much time passes. But, and he's like, listen, the king and queen have summoned you. Look nice. Yeah. You know. Dress in your best. They want you to arrive in style. And the baroness is like, oh shit, this is our moment. This is it. He's gonna marry Marguerite. I am so fucking ready. When they're entering the throne room at the castle and the baroness is so ready. Oh yeah. She's so ready to get her place at court as the mother of the new queen of France. She's just like, my time has come. And they all go, they go and kneel before the king and queen. (laughs) All the music stops and Francis goes. Baroness, did you or did you not lie to Her Majesty the Queen of France? Choose your words wisely, madame. But they may be your last. She's gagged. She's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> because she obviously 
obviously lied about who Danielle actually is. Yeah. Right? Like, forget the fact that she's not the Comtesse de Lancre. She is the rightful inheritor of that estate. Yeah, yeah. Which is a direct lie to the Queen of France, which is punishable by death. And, like, the way she's like, well... The way she's basically like, level with me here. Like, put yourself in my shoes. Is there anything you wouldn't do to assure your daughter's success or whatever she says? And, like, the queen's like, listen, girl, we're going to put you to death. <laughs> unless, unless someone here will speak for you. It, crickets. Oh, no, she's looking around like, oh, there must be a lot of people out of town. <laughs> And then, oh, this is so great. I will speak for her. She is, after all, my stepmother. All right, Danielle, show us your largesse, the magnanimity (laughs) of your character. She is, after all, my stepmother. Like Ross? And like, Prince Henry is like, Marguerite, I don't know if you know my wife. (laughs) And I'm like, when did this happen? They got married off camera. We missed it. She's already a princess. Danielle is a princess. And Marguerite is like, like half bowing, like, oh my, okay. (laughs) And like the way, the way the Baroness is going to her knees, like very reluctantly, like, your highness. Yeah. Like. I want you to know that I will forget you after this moment and never think of you again. But you, I am quite certain, will think about me every single day for the rest of your life. How long might that be? And guys, in that moment, Danielle manages to dig down deep inside of her after a decade of abuse and find the magnanimity To say, you're not going to put this woman to death. I only want you to show her the same courtesy that she has shown me. So from there on, guys, Marguerite and the Baroness. Not Jacqueline. Not Jacqueline, because she did nothing wrong. She didn't. Marguerite and the Baroness are now indentured to the service of the king and queen. (laughs) They're working in laundry! Mm -hmm. That's the my favorite part is that they ended up exactly where Danielle started. Yeah, they look like they're scullery maids. <laughs> or scullery nuns. They look like scullery nuns. They're not even scullery, Ross. They're not even allowed upstairs. You're not wrong. Their entire job is just to launder the shitty sheets of the royals. Marguerite, what? Well, you had the woman. So did you. Yes, but I'm management. Like hell you are! You're just the same as me, a big nobody! How dare you speak to me that way? I am of noble blood. And you are getting on my nerves. You're just the same as me, a big nobody! Even in indentured servitude, the Baroness is trying to be on top. (laughs) I'm sorry. She was stripped of her title. Yeah. Rod Miller. Yeah, Rod Miller. Yeah. <laughs> the way that that other that other laundress just pushes them both into yeah. the fountain. Maggie and Millie, they're <laughs> not gonna have a happy ever after. <laughs> and you are getting on my nose. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, this movie just basically ends with Henry 
and Danielle in Leonardo's chambers. Yeah, I know. He's presenting that famous portrait to them both. Inspired by Head of a Woman. Head of a Woman! It does look a little bit like Drew Barrymore! Yeah, I know. So, like, it's really nice. Obviously, it's not the real painting. It's a recreation. (laughs) It is inspired by Head of a Woman in 1508 by Leonardo da Vinci himself. And then, of course, we're... You know, we're, we're hearing the Grand Dame again in voiceover. My great-great-grandmother's portrait hung in the university up until the revolution. By then, the truth of the Romans had been reduced to a simple fairy tale. And while Cinderella and her prince did live happily ever after, the point, gentlemen, is that they lived. Okay. <laughs> that's that's nice and everything. I just feel like it's a little on the nose. 1,500 people went into the sea. Stop! When Titanic sank from under us. <laughs> there were 20 boats floating nearby. And, and only, only one, one came, came back. back. That's a different movie. <laughs> one. No, but like, come on, come on, indulge with me for a moment. No, Carrie, that made me feel so much. I really did not remember it this way. Yeah. Like, I did, like, and I, you know, yeah, it was bad in parts. <laughs> like, the acting, I mean. The acting was bad in parts, but the music, along with the production locations, mm-hmm. and the very fine acting that does occur, you know, except for the weak moments, you know? <laughs> no, like, listen, it, I, it just, it, I was. I was surprisingly pleased. Good for you. It was a nice surprise for me that I I just did not remember this movie. I remember this movie, for some reason I remember it being whiny. Yeah. But that was me. I was the one being whiny about not wanting to watch it. Like, I was like, ah, but isn't Drew Barrymore, like, annoying? No. She has a very earnest, well-thought-out performance. She's... She's a good actress. She's it's in her blood. Yeah. The Barrymores, yeah. like it is in her blood. Like no, honestly, E.T. was probably definitely the first movie I ever saw her in, mm-hmm. but didn't intellectualize it was her for years. And this is really the first movie I can remember seeing Drew Barrymore in, where I just fell in love with her. Yeah, there's nothing fake. Even though you know, even though you know she's not French. Or that she's not from medieval times. Mm-hmm. There is nothing fake or disingenuous about her performance at all. She's bringing, Drew Barrymore is bringing all of the goodness of her to this part, mm-hmm. is what she's doing. And that's why that's why it sells so well. That's why you believe her so much. Because it's that, it's just that Drew spirit. Like, I love her. Mm-hmm. She is a fine entertainer. And she's just a really wonderful human being. Yeah. And she is what makes the movie. I mean, her and Duke Grace Scott, they make the movie. Biconic. Biconic energy. (laughs) Bye. Wife energy. energy. <laughs> like she's got by wife energy. You know, like and I, I love Melanie Linsky. I mean Angelica Houston's performance is great. She really makes you hate her. Like, it's just I was I was pleased. I was pleased. I did not remember it this way, and I'm glad that it is. I, d- I love I love the improvement of the Cinderella narrative we have here mm-hmm. because you know uh, and that's one of the big things you debate about when you talk about it in high school is yeah. the this poor woman that needs to be saved by money and power mm-hmm. you know but 
and and, the, and some miracles gonna some fairy godmother's gonna come along and save you. There's no magical element in this plot. No fairy godmother here. Like it's almost like that entire you know magic element of the Cinderella plot has been completely replaced by the historical context. Or the empowerment of women and the lower class. And like the realism of the time they're placing it in. And, you know, putting the emphasis on how the Cinderella character is affecting everyone else, not how everyone else is affecting the Cinderella character. Yeah. You know? He fell in love with her brain, Ross. I know. She was already so hot. Like, (laughs) And then she just got hotter with that big, beautiful brain. (laughs) Like, uh... All right, guys, we got to get out of here. We got it. Nicole, happy birthday, sweetheart. Thank you for interacting with us online and making requests of us. Specifically this. But yeah, thank you for being such a longtime fan. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm sorry we waited so fucking long to do it after you asked, but we hope you enjoyed that. Hope we weren't too hard on it for you. (laughs) But guys, next week... Oh, boy. Yeah, no, guys, we got one more potpourri selection for the month of May. And I, honest to God, have no idea what course of logic led us to this decision. However, Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! However, it's a great movie, and we've been longing to do it. Well, someone's been longing to do it. I think it's Ross. Yeah, uh, yeah. However, next week, we will be talking about the 1994 Academy Award-winning classic, <sighs> Forrest Gump. Jenna. <laughs> Why don't you love me, Jenna? Oh, it's going to be so much. I, we are going to have to have a rough conversation, too. We are. Yeah. We are. Uh, it's not good. It's such a good movie, though. But it's not a it's, good premise. It's the depiction. It's uh, the depiction of the developmentally delayed. Dyslexia. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm... Okay. All right. In the meantime, guys, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. Well, now I'm not excited. Well, stop it. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Email the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. <laughs> and don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Reading, writing, <laughs> and arithmetic. We want everybody to learn. Oh, no. (laughs) We cannot do this next week. I know. More quality content coming (laughs) to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Drew Barrymore. (laughs) And as always, (laughs) sorry, Mom. Mom.